Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hi there. I'm Randa Fattah from ThruLine. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org podcast. That's donate.kqed.org podcast. From KQED. This is the California Report. Good morning. I'm Saul Gonzalez in Los Angeles. Last night, hundreds of people gathered in San Francisco's Castro District for a candlelight vigil honoring the victims of Saturday's deadly shooting at a gay nightclub in Colorado Springs, which has left five people dead and more than two dozen injured. We're not just mourning. I know for me, I'm also angry. I'm angry that after all these years, our community is still not safe. That was State Senator Scott Weiner at the vigil at Harvey Milk Plaza. Jacob Stensberg, the artistic director of the San Francisco Gay Men's Chorus, performed with the chorus at the start of the vigil. You know, it's days like today where every day I'm grateful for community and I wish we didn't have to be so good at coming together for moments of collective suffering. California vigils were also held in such communities as West Hollywood and San Diego's Hillcrest District. More than a dozen members of Congress are demanding answers from the U.S. Forest Service after the agency failed to protect a rural Northern California town from a wildfire. Cap Radio's Scott Rod reports. The Caldor Fire last year destroyed most of the 600 homes in Grizzly Flats, a foothills community in the Sierra Nevada. A recent investigation from Cap Radio and the California Newsroom revealed the Forest Service predicted for decades that a wildfire could wipe out the town. But the agency's plan to protect Grizzly Flats stalled out. The Forest Service should be held accountable for that project because I, I do think that it would have prevented this catastrophe. Victor Diaz lost his home in the fire. He's currently living in an RV with his wife and six kids. Senator Alex Padilla of California spearheaded a letter from lawmakers to the Forest Service demanding more information. There's two main parts for sending the letter. Number one, accountability. But I think even bigger is what lessons can be learned from this experience so that we minimize the chances of it happening again. The lawmakers asked for a list of other communities at high risk of wildfire, where the Forest Service may also be struggling to complete projects. For the California Report, I'm Scott Rod. Hi, I'm Sasha Coca, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse Golden State. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey, that's where you go to Sunshine State, but we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond. 
with reliable, human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. An estimated three and a half million California workers don't speak English well or at all. But the state agency tasked with protecting workers' health and safety doesn't have many workplace inspectors who are bilingual. KQED's Farida Javala Romero explains what that means for the workers. More than 100 Chinese and Latino essential workers packed a recent town hall in San Francisco. Led by the Chinese Progressive Association and other nonprofits, the event was designed to reach out to people working in construction, domestic health care, drivers, and the like. Um, we are going to have today's town hall in three languages. We have, uh, yeah! Thomas Xiao spoke at the event. He's a janitor in Chinatown who first came to the city nearly 30 years ago. With help from an interpreter, Xiao told me in Cantonese he used to work in restaurants, but the tendons in his shoulder tore apart from the repetitive motion of tossing a heavy fryer for years as a cook. Xiao had to have surgery, and he said he's seen other workers get hurt on the job too. But when I asked if he ever filed a complaint with state regulators, Xiao shook his head. He'd never heard of the state agency that investigates workplace injuries like his. That would be Kalosha. I think that's pretty obvious that they don't have the same protections as an English-speaking worker. Michael Horowitz is a retired Kalosha inspector in Oakland. He says low-wage immigrant workers with limited English are especially reluctant to speak up because they fear losing their job. And should an inspector visit their job site... It's a lot more difficult for uh, their problems and their hazards to be brought clearly to the attention when uh, a, a state health and safety inspector actually is at their workplace. Out of the more than 210 Kalosha inspectors statewide, only one is certified as fluent in Cantonese. Only one is certified in Vietnamese. You cannot possibly be addressing the needs of those immigrant workers. David Chu is city attorney in San Francisco, where, unlike the rest of the state, more workers speak Chinese than Spanish. When you have literally uh, millions of Californians who speak other languages, who are particularly vulnerable to workplace exploitation, the lack of language ability on the part of staff means we don't know what's happening. We can't enforce the law and workers' lives and their health and safety are at risk. Kalosha officials declined an interview with KQED. But the agency says they have more staffers who speak a second language. It's just that they haven't passed a state certification exam. A spokesperson with the Department of Industrial Relations, which oversees Kalosha, says they're trying to attract bilingual candidates. But with nearly 30% of positions vacant at Kalosha right now, the top priority is just hiring qualified people. That's really difficult to do when private industry can pay more and hire faster, says San Jose Assemblyman Ash Kalra. He heads the Assembly's Labor Committee. Ultimately, 
it comes down to putting um, your, your, your money where your values are. And that means we have to not just pay more, but do other kinds of incentives uh, to be able to hire. Calvar says he plans to hold hearings next year to nail down solutions to this problem, which he says will take both the legislature and the administration to fix. Meanwhile, Janitor Thomas Xiao says with so many workers like him, it seems Kalosha has a lot to learn. If they just come down and meet with us and learn about our working conditions, they could do their jobs better, he says. For the California Report, I'm Farida Javala Romero. And that is the California Report for Monday, November 21st. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm Saul Gonzalez. Thanks for listening and talk tomorrow. Support for the California Report comes from Personal Capital, providing people with financial tools like the Retirement Planner to help them achieve their financial goals. PersonalCapital.com. Guideline. Their automated 401k plans can be set up in 20 minutes. More at guideline.com slash CA. Guideline, the California way to 401k. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy includes Schmidt Ocean Institute. Coming this fall, the launch of research vessel Falcor 2, advancing the frontiers of ocean science and exploration on the web at schmidtocean.org. Do you love learning about the San Francisco Bay Area? Its history, its people, its unique blend of cultures? Then you should check out The Bay Curious Book. I'm Katrina Schwartz, editor and producer on The Bay Curious Podcast, and I'm here to let you know that for the month of May, we've worked out a sweet deal for KQED podcast listeners. Right now, you can get The Bay Curious ebook for $1.99. That's right, $1.99. Just search for Bay Curious wherever you get your ebooks or find a link in our show notes. This offer does expire at the end of the month, though, so you'll want to act on it fast. Happy reading! Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid, and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just what we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio. It was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support.